I've had the privilege of pastoring Brother Bittner and his wife for a number of years. I'm not exactly sure how many it is, four or five, I guess. God brought them this way, and uh, it's been a blessing. And um, as you're turning in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, I also smell barbecue and all the fixings and all the trimmings. But I was asked to bring a message appropriate for this event and uh, I quite frankly was delighted and humbled to be asked to do it. And so we're going to do our best this afternoon to uh, do what the Bible says and honor God's servant. Again, so thankful for you being here. I look out across the sanctuary. I see many faces, uh, friends, uh, of the ministry at Baltimore Rescue Mission. I was thinking about the film that Brother Jones alluded to the film, Redeeming Hope, that was uh, shot on location here around Baltimore and then there at the Rescue Mission, a film where I had the privilege to play the main character, but it was a homeless veteran struggling with PTSD and addictions. And uh, to be able to shoot that film and have the rescue mission scene at the end where he got saved and his life was changed uh, was just so fitting. And I appreciate Brother Bittner allowing us to do that. And that film is now being shown around the world. And Brother uh, Caleb Garraway, who's the producer of that film, called me Sunday afternoon. He said, Brother Stacy, he said, I've been getting reports coming in from all over the world. A lot of campaigns in India right now. The film was translated and overdubbed in the Telugu language there in India. They've been showing it to thousands of people. And from India, places in Africa, the Philippines, United States, and other places, just since the film came out this past spring, there have been over 7,000 people that have said, I got saved from that film. Amen. And the rescue mission played a major part in that film. And so I just wanted to add that as a side note what Brother Jones referred to. But if you're in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, I ask you to stand. Let you stretch your legs for just a moment. Read two verses and then give you what God has given us for this afternoon. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 12. The Bible says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and to be at peace among yourselves. We're going to take those verses, those words there in verse 13 and use that as a springboard this afternoon and preach this simple thought, esteem them, esteem them. Lord, we pray that you'd help us now as we turn our hearts to the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather together with friends Lord, both of the rescue mission, but also friends and family of Brother Bittner and his dear wife. And Lord, this opportunity today to be able to honor them as the scripture uh, commands us in multiple places. I pray that you be glorified in this message. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Three things I want to notice by way of introduction, jumping right here into the text I want to notice, first of all, the reverence that is associated with this word esteem, the reverence of esteem, the word that we're looking at today, where Paul said in verse 13, 
In verse 12, he says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. The sentence ends in a semicolon. The thought is continued in verse 13. So we can safely say, Paul says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them and to esteem them. That word esteem, if you look it up, it literally means to set a value on. It's a word that is used both as a verb and as a noun. That word as a verb means to set value on, whether high or low. It means to value, to estimate, to prize, to set a high value on, to regard with reverence, respect, or friendship. This is taken straight out of the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, looking up the word esteem, to hold in opinion or to compare in value. So the word esteem as a verb literally means to set a value or to regard with reverence. As a noun, the word esteem means an estimation or an opinion or a judgment of merit. That's where we get the word an estimate. You ask the contractor to come out and give you an estimate. That's where the word esteem is associated with, placing a high value. So in other words, the Bible is clear in these verses that we should, the Bible says, esteem them very highly. If it had just said esteem them, that'd be a lot. If it just said to esteem, that would be a lot. But it says esteem them very highly. So we see the reverence of the word esteem. And I just want to begin the message today by saying that what we are doing here is biblical. Amen. It, it makes some people nervous, mainly people that are not in church and not in the ministry. It makes them nervous when you honor a man of God, but it is biblical to do that. And so I wanted to just go on record and say the apostle Paul literally says, I beseech you to know them. I beseech you to esteem them very highly. So what we're doing here today is biblical, and that is giving honor to whom honor is due. We see the reverence of esteem. But then secondly, we see the recipient of esteem in these verses. The Bible says, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them. To esteem them. There are biblical guidelines and ramifications as to who we are supposed to esteem. Amen. I mean, we are living in a society that esteems all the wrong people doing all the wrong things for all the wrong reasons. Uh, they've got, they've got, a, they've actually got a sidewalk, I believe, I've been told, down in Hollywood that's got the stars on it. Huh? And, and, and they got the stars in the sidewalk where they honored athletes and movie stars and singers and whatever, different artists with a star in the sidewalk there. Uh, and I guarantee you that you could take all of them and put them together and they would not have earned the esteem that this dear brother Bittner and his wife have earned in their life of ministry. So we live in a society that esteems all the wrong things and all the wrong people, but in turn, and in many times in turn, the respect and recognition that is due the people that Bible says we ought to esteem is lost. In fact, the apostle Paul referred to this in 1 Corinthians chapter number four. Let me just read a couple of verses to you. This is what the apostle Paul said about his position and his place and his ministry as an apostle. He said in 1 Corinthians 4, 9, for I think that God hath set forth us the apostles last as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world. And the angels 
and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. But ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even under this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things under this day. You say, preacher, why would you read those verses in the middle of this message? Because the apostle Paul said, this is how we are looked at by the world. This is how we are treated by the unbelievers. This is how we are viewed by those that do not know God. I think that it is very fitting and it is very important that the people of God and the children of God understand the blessings and the treasures that have been given to us in faithful men of God and that we are in no way, shape, or form guilty of Doing them the same way the world does. God forbid someone serve God and live for God their whole life and we not reverence them and we not esteem them and we not honor them. The Bible tells us to do that. So I'm worried about preacher worship. I'm worried about man worship, says the guy walking around with a Tom Brady jersey on. Amen. I'm worried about man worship, says the man that's got Dale Earnhardt bumper stickers all over the back of his pickup truck. Come on, could you imagine the outrage if someone were to walk into their church on a Sunday morning with their pastor's name across the back of their shirt? The whole church would get upset. But let them come in here with an athlete's name or a ball player's name and everybody thinks it's perfectly normal. Don't get nervous. I'm not selling shiftlet jerseys in the bookstore. I'm just making a point. The reverence of esteem, the recipient of esteem. Thirdly, we see the reason for the esteem. And he makes it very clear in verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. In other words, can I say it? We're not esteeming Dr. Bittner today and his dear wife because they're great people, though we think they are. We believe them to be. And what greater honor, come on, could you have for your own children to stand up and shower you with blessings and with praise and add a validity and a legitimacy to your ministry that only the family would know about. But it didn't say esteem them because they're good people. It didn't say esteem them because of their character or their integrity or even because of their intentions. It said esteem them for their work's sake. What is he saying? He's saying that the reason for the esteem, the beseeching of Paul to esteem them was because of what they did what they contributed to the ministry, what they contributed to the kingdom of God. The nature of the enterprise demands that we esteem them because it is of an eternal value. The apostle Paul didn't leave this work's sake undefined. He literally broke it down for us. He clearly explained in verse 12, what work he was talking about in verse 13. And that's what I want to expound on for just a few minutes this afternoon. These elements, these, these, this work 
that the Bible says calls for us to make sure that we esteem those very highly. Number one, we're having this service today. We're having this message today. We're having this event today in order to esteem them for the labor that they have performed. Look at what it says in verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. That's how the verse starts out. He then refers to the work in verse number 13. Can I say it this morning? 36 years and counting. I appreciate it, brothers. Uh, but when the men said, I almost felt like I was working on a eulogy and I had to remind myself, he's still alive. <laughs> Done a lot of funerals lately. I'm thinking he's not dead. He's still in the ministry. 36 years and counting. I mean, who, come on, who in their right mind after 36 years steps down and stays where they're working, just not at the office they were in, but in a different office? When he could be on a front porch somewhere in West Virginia playing the banjo. He could be on a boat somewhere. He could be in a deer stand. Him and his wife could be traveling and enjoying their, their older years and spending time with family and grandkids. But no, he steps down and is still continuing. The point I'm trying to make is we honor and esteem them today for their work's sake. The labor that they've performed. And the ministry is labor. Brother, Brother Berner he and his wife are on staff working with our senior saints and do all the visiting and, 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 and keeping up with all of our senior saints and I do what I can as much as I can but they take a huge load off of me and he texted me yesterday. He said, we went to the hospital to see sister so-and-so. He said, we had to go to every floor trying to find her only to find out after 30 minutes of going to every floor and every, every counter, we find out she was moved to another hospital. And I text him. I said, get in the ministry, they said. It'll be fun, they said. <laughs> Little inside joke when you're having a hard day in the ministry because the ministry is work. That's the meaning of the word. The word minister means to serve. The whole connotation of the word involves labor. It's not a state of mind where we're in the ministry. It's not a state of mind. It's not a prayer card. <laughs> it's work it's not a position it's not a desk in an office somewhere it's work it is strenuous work at times it is stressful work at times I think he looks pretty good for 30 don't you <laughs> stressful work it is a soul searching work we're literally all day every day you're constantly agonizing with God. Give me wisdom to do what you've called me to do. Give me the patience to deal with the people that won't take the wisdom <laughs> that you just gave me to give to them. Come on, y'all. It is supplicating work where every day is filled with prayer. Your nights are filled with prayer. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Sometimes in the ministry, that's the only prayer you can seem to get out. I find a lot of those days, Lord, help us. Lord, help me. It's not a state of mind or a position. It's, a, it's work. And a rescue mission is not like running a grocery store or a hardware store. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
52 weeks out of the year, 365 days out of the year. This is the labor, 36 years of a ministry that is open 24 hours a day. We should esteem them for the labor that they have performed. We heard a little bit. We got a glimpse. Many of you that are affiliated or associated with the rescue mission have got little glimpses into the reality. I've been down there several times, preached down there several times, did some behind the scenes tours here lately, got to see all the upgrades and the remodeling and boy, it looks beautiful. We've dropped off food. Our church runs buses down there every Sunday and pick them up and bring them up here. Every Wednesday night, we send buses and vans down and bring them and pick them up and bring them down here and take them back home. We've got folks in our church that have a heart for that ministry. But there's no way in the world any of us could begin to imagine the amount of work and labor. I'm talking about long days, long nights. Brother Bittner and his wife alluded to the fact they're driving an hour plus, hour 10, hour 15 minutes. They'll come here on Sunday morning, go to the rescue mission, eat lunch, work all afternoon, come back for the five o'clock service, and then go home. Another hour and 15 minutes. Wednesdays, they're there all day, drive over here for our seven o'clock service on Wednesdays. Working, working, working. Working. Amen. I've been in his office. I didn't see a recliner in there. Now, I got one in my office. I ain't going to lie to you. I got one. And I use it sometimes. I turn the lights off. I've got a white noise machine. I'll throw a blanket over my lap, and I'll take about a 15-minute nap. If you see that sign on my door, it says, do not disturb the pastor. I'm in my recliner. But he didn't have a recliner in his office. And I went in her office and it looked like a bomb went off. There was just papers and files and file cabinets. And I'm like, Lord, have mercy. He said, she knows what she's doing. Look at this. I said, I'm glad somebody does. I think she needs a secretary herself. The work and tracking purchases and the receipts and records and all of these things. It's work. We esteem them for the labor that they've performed. Secondly, he goes on in verse number 12 and says, we beseech your brethren to know them which labor among you. And I'm just skipping across the highlights here. And are over you in the Lord. Secondly, we esteem them today for the leadership that they have provided. In verse number 12, we beseech you brethren to know them. That word know means to get to know them on a personal, intimate level. A lot of people don't know those that are over them. They keep a distance. There's a, there's a buffer there. But many of you have been able to witness firsthand the incredible leadership that Brother Bittner and his wife have provided at the Baltimore Rescue Mission for 36 years. And they are leaders. There's a shortage of leaders in this country today. You do realize that, don't you? I mean, they had vision. They brought energy and they brought purpose. And they brought stability to a ministry that was greatly in need of it. I'm going to give you three subpoints. I want you to notice about the leadership that I believe we could say that Brother Bitter and his wife provided. I believe we could say it was faithful leadership. Faithful leadership. Stephen, your first point was the being dependable. 
Boy, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's not non-negotiable. That is a non-negotiable quality that God is looking for. Faithful, faithful. 36 years, I believe we could say they've been faithful, faithful. Anyone that will stay in one place and plow in the same field and sow seed in the same field for 36 years deserves our esteem this afternoon. And they've set a tremendous example to all of us of what it means to be steadfast, unmovable. And you heard several examples where they had other opportunities presented to them. And they could have gone and nobody would have faulted them and nobody would have said, you're out of the will of God. Nobody would have done that. And God many times does move people from time to time. I think some people, he, they move around more than they're supposed to. I was talking with one of my men yesterday. I know a preacher is at his fifth church in five years. That's a little much. But that's just me. I may be wrong. I'm saying 36 years is faithful. That's what I'm saying. Faithful leadership. Amen. They've outlived and outlasted most of the people that's ever come through there and worked. That said, God called me here. I want to be a part of it. Many of us come and gone. Brother Bittner and his wife still there. Faithful leadership. I believe we could say they've, and having done all to stand, have stood. Amen. Faithful leadership. Fearless leadership. I like this quality. They led this ministry for 36 years fearlessly in the face of a city that was not at all compassionate about what they were trying to do. I do not for the life of me understand why any elected official would be against a homeless shelter or a rescue mission when our sidewalks and our streets are lined with people who have nowhere to sleep and the government makes it their job to harass and aggravate the few people that are trying to do something about it. I'm going to tell you why, because they can't get their claws in it. They can't get their crummy fingers on it and they can't control it. And they've stood fearlessly. I'll be careful, I'm going to preach here in just a second, Brother Bittner. They've led this ministry fearlessly in the face of the city and in face of all the codes and the charges and the criticism. They've led fearlessly in spite of, many people would have wilted. Many people would have completely folded. A lot of people would say, you can have it. I'm out of here. I got bigger fish to fry. But they've stayed there for 36 years and put up with this. Fearless leadership. Amen. COVID was one of them. You can't get any more fearless than running a homeless shelter during a pandemic. And you're right, when this started, I mean, we got a pretty good idea now what was going on, but back when it started, we didn't know. They said millions of people are gonna die and you can kill people and not even have symptoms. Well, that's not fair. Everybody was afraid, nobody was concerned and the rescue mission stayed open. Fearless leadership. Amen. Tremendous. I tip my hat. They led this ministry fearlessly in the face of the conditions in which they had to serve. I appreciate what the daughter said. 
We talk about missionaries in Africa. We served in Africa. Our family was there for a number of years. And we, I've traveled all over the world. I have literally been all over the world. India, Africa, South America, the South Pacific. I mean, Mongolia, Myanmar. Can I tell you something? There's no place more difficult than the location and the place where the Baltimore Rescue Mission is planted in Baltimore. And they served there in conditions that were dangerous and harsh. And stayed faithful led the ministry fearlessly in the face of compromise. I appreciate you holding the standard at the rescue mission. Amen. I appreciate you allowing our church and our preachers to come in. There are places where our church is not welcome to come and minister because we still use the King James Bible and we still preach the gospel. Thank you for rolling out the red carpet for Calvary Baptist Church and letting us come down there and preach the gospel and preach the word of God. Amen. In the face of compromise and all the changes that are taking place and when truth is collapsing in the street and falling in the street, thank you for leading the ministry fearlessly. Thank you for leading the ministry fearlessly in the face of the cost. And some of you know, board members are here and others that contribute, read the prayer letters, read the newsletters. But I think the truth be known, I think many of us would be absolutely overwhelmed with the financial expenses of running that ministry. I know I was when he came to me a few years ago and says, we got to replace an elevator. And I said, what's that going to cost? And you said about $300,000 for an elevator. I could build a catapult cheaper than that. <laughs> hey man, we used one of them things they used when we used to roof houses and put the, put the shingles on that ladivator, remember? And we'd raise the shingles up to the roof of the ladivator. We'll use that $300,000 to fix an elevator. And that's the code. That's the city codes. Lord have mercy. You want to talk about stress. That stresses me out just thinking about it. And that was just one need. Talking about fearless leadership. Face of the cost, the construction projects, and all the court cases. Getting a letter in the mail. You've been sued. This accusation's been made. This person's disgruntled. Amen. Throwing bricks through, through, through windows. That's happened. How many times has that happened? Huh? Just last week. Again. And you keep going to work every day. And keep serving every day. Can I say it? Fearless leadership. But thirdly, the faithful leadership and fearless leadership resulted in fruitful leadership. <laughs> and that's why we do it. Huh? Why does the farmer get up in the morning and hook the, to, the plow up to the mule? Why does he get out in the weather and sow the seed? Why does he get out there and feel, deal with the stones and the stumps? Why does he fight the elements? Because when the seed is in the ground, then you can have fruit that comes from it. Why do we do what we do? Why do any of us do what we do? We do it for fruit. That's why. Because the Bible says that only through the fruit is he glorified. And he's glorified when there's much fruit. Which means there's got to be much labor. Amen. Only eternity will reveal the fruit that will abound to the account of this couple right here. And everybody associated, affiliated with the Baltimore Rescue Mission. Only eternity will reveal the fruit that will abound to their account. Only heaven knows how many will enter through the gates of heaven. Only heaven knows how many people have escaped the flames of hell. 
And I don't care how far you can throw a football or how hard you can hit a baseball or how many three-pointers you can shoot. Can I tell you what's worthy of esteem? Somebody's keeping people out of hell. That's the ones we ought to esteem very highly for their work's sake. Amen. Number three, he goes on in verse number 12 and says, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Number three, we should esteem them for the love that they have proclaimed. That word admonish in verse number 12, that's a good word. Amen. That's a good word. It's a Bible word. It's not a word we hear a lot today. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That word admonish, it literally means to warn and to exhort. And in order to have a ministry of admonition, there's got to be a heart full of love behind every bit of that. Trying to think of the messages that have been preached in that place over the last 36 years. Think of the hours spent studying, plowing through the scriptures just to get a thought, to get a truth, to get a concept, a principle, a little seed to sow in somebody's heart with a heart full of hope and prayer that maybe this one will make the difference. The messages that have been preached, the Bible lessons that have been prepared, the staff meetings that have been conducted with that staff around the table instructing and teaching and preparing them and mentoring them to go out and assist in that ministry. The training sessions, the devotions. Are you overwhelmed yet? We're overwhelmed just thinking about it. 36 years of doing it. The discipleship classes. Think of the one-on-one meetings in 36 years. Think of the counseling sessions in 36 years of somebody sitting across from your desk whose life is an absolute teetotal disaster. I mean chaos. The devil has chewed them up and spit them out and they are left with nothing, nothing, And you sit across the the table, across the desk from somebody like that. And with God's help, asking for wisdom, asking for a verse, asking for a word from God to try to help that person put their life back together. We cannot begin to imagine. And we esteem them today for the love that they proclaimed in their admonishing of the word of God. Is everybody still with me? Counseling, counseling, phone calls, phone calls over the phone. Every time truth was shared, stay with me, every time the word of God was shared, they were demonstrating and proving the love of God. Every message, every lesson, every counseling session was them showing the love of God. In a ministry, Brother Bittner, that I believe we would all agree, statistically probably has less return 
for the amount of effort that's put into it than many other ministries. Can we agree on that? Huh? Are we all, can we all just address the elephant in the room? You're dealing with people. We're dealing with people whose life has been completely destroyed in most cases. And humanly speaking, humanly speaking, it's impossible to help them. But we believe that with God, all things are possible. And we're just simple-minded enough. And we're just, we're just Bible believers enough to believe that the word of God, the seed of the gospel, and throw a warm bed and a bowl of soup in the mix. Might just help somebody. Might just change somebody's life. It might just change somebody's eternal destiny. It might change their family tree. Somebody come through there that the devil has absolutely destroyed their life, but God specializes in picking up broken pieces and putting them back together again. And the same God that spoke in Genesis chapter number one, when the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, when there was darkness and void and God created this beautiful planet with just his word, we still believe that the preaching and the teaching of the word of God can change lives. We still believe it. And we say we believe it. And they've proven that they believe it. That's why we esteem them very highly today. And I know they're uncomfortable, but it'll be okay. We'll be eating in just a few minutes. But right now, let us do this. Their love for God has been proven. Their love for people has been proven. They didn't do it for the paycheck. That's... Lord knows that's the truth. They didn't do it for all the benefits, all the perks. Huh? I mean, we all know places where you can walk in and there's pastors and missionaries and evangelists and college presidents and whatnot. And you walk in and you say, yeah, I'm from the rescue mission. And they're like, okay. I'm, I've been at the rescue mission in Baltimore. Glad it's you, buddy, not me. Have you had to deal with any of that? Huh? Where you feel like you got the plague? Because you're dealing with very few, you're dealing with people that very few people want to deal with. Dealing with problems. I'm talking about rolling your sleeves up and diving neck deep into something nobody wants to deal with. The spiritual satanic Oppression. I mean, the drugs and the addictions comes with the demonic and satanic oppressions. We read the Bible about people that were devil possessed, possessed with devils, had to foul and unclean spirits. They're walking the streets of our city. They walk through the doors of Baltimore Rescue Mission every night. You're helping people, ministering to people that are literally devil-possessed. They've opened their hearts and minds up to all of these things, and that's where you submerge yourself for 36 years. That's why we esteem them very highly for their work's sake. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 15, I will very gladly spend and be spent. For you. 
I believe we're looking at a couple that has spent and been spent for the gospel's sake. In conclusion, I want to say this. Verse 13 closes out with a, with a, with a statement that just at first glance maybe doesn't appear to fit. He says, we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. But he's not finished. He says, and be at peace among yourselves. Brother Jones, I thought as I was preparing this message, the Apostle Paul was communicating to the church at Thessalonica one of the greatest ways to honor a man of God. This, maybe this portion of the service maybe will be to you and the board. Communicating the greatest way to respect a man that has lived a life of service and ministry. One that has labored and led and taught and he deserves to be esteemed in love very highly for his work's sake. But that's not all. I believe he says this at the end of verse 13. They deserve to have their legacy preserved with an atmosphere of peace and unity. This couple should be esteemed very highly by the next group that comes in to maintain and build on what they for 36 years have built. What good would this service today be? What good would all these accolades, what good would the monetary gifts and the plaques be to them if six months from now for 36 years what they have labored and worked for starts to spiral out of control with division and lack of character and integrity and, and, and financial misproprieties and, and God help us compromise been holding the fort. They've been holding the ground, standing firm for 36 years. How can we esteem them? By continuing on. This couple should be esteemed. We should continue to love them and, 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 and esteem them even though he's not now going to be, can I say it, in the driver's seat. Huh? How many times have we seen older men of God resign from a church, retire, step down, and then they get kicked off to the side like a spare tire. There are words of wisdom never, ever solicited. No one ever say, preacher, I know you're not in charge, but what would you do if you were here right now? Hey, you want to esteem them? Be at peace among yourselves. Amen, that's what I'm saying. Their legacy should be esteemed by continuing to value their input and their counsel and the wisdom that they've gleaned down through the years. Make it a smooth transition. A peaceful and God-honoring transition. How do you do that? Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. It's biblical. Paul said, I beseech you to do it. I believe we've done that just a little bit here today. Would you bow your heads? Or the pain's coming to the piano little bit of a different type of an invitation. We give invitation here every service. So that's what we're doing now. We're going to give an invitation. Multi, multifaceted invitation. There may be somebody here today, maybe you want to just get out of your seat and come kneel on this altar and pray for Brother Bittner and his wife during this transition in their life. It's not going to be easy. 36 years they've been 
the director of the ministry and now they're going to step back. It's not going to be easy for them. Pray for them. Pray for their family. Pray for the children. Pray for the rescue mission. There may be somebody here today, maybe God spoke to your heart. Let me ask you a question. What are we going to say about you 30 years from now? What are we going to say about you at the end of your life? At the, what are we going to say about your involvement and your contribution to the things of God? What are you doing? Brother Bitter and his wife have set a tremendous example to all of us. Surely, their life would stir and compel us to use the life that we have, the one life that we have for Christ. Making a difference. Making a difference. I can't think of a greater honor than near the end of my life for them to be able to say about me, that man made a difference. He loved God. He cared about people. He was faithful. What about you? There may be somebody here today you've never been saved. You've never been born again. You're not sure you're going to heaven when you die. Please don't leave the service. Please don't leave the service today not knowing where you're going to spend eternity. Altar's full. Folks are praying. There's room for more if you want to come. Father, we thank you this afternoon for the opportunity to preach your word. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to honor, Lord, two of your choice servants. We're, Lord, we're thrilled to have them as a part of our church. We're thrilled to be able to labor with them at the rescue mission. We pray, God, that you would bless them, bless this transition. Lord, as Brother Bittner transitions into just really focusing on discipleship and dealing with the day-to-day -day needs of the men and not carrying the full load on his shoulders, I pray, God, that you would strengthen him, give him grace. Pray for Brother Jones. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless him, give him the wisdom and the strength. Lord, he's stepping into some big shoes. He's gonna need God's touch, God's wisdom, God's help. I pray for the board. I pray, Lord, they would stand strong. I pray, God, that they would not lower the standard at the Baltimore Rescue Mission, but lift it high, the blood-stained banner and Lord, when you return, may you find us faithful, serving you. We love you. We thank you for the privilege to be in the ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No greater honor, no greater honor than to devote one's life to the furtherance of the gospel, the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.